Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode number 316 of Sci-Fi Watcher. Glad you could join us again this week as we talk about the 1997 film Cube. I'm Corey Shrett, and joining me is my friend, Mr. Brian Lee. Brian, what's going on? Hello, hello. Good as always to be here. Yes, we're talking about a film we somehow, I don't know if you brought it up or what, but something we I talked about it in passing one we day. Have, yeah, and we put it on our list and it's it's been two decades and change since I've seen it, I know, and uh, probably same for you. Oh yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, and we will be talking about Cube. But before we do, let's get into some of the news this week. Let's talk about Stanley Kubrick. I always love how when anniversaries come up of movies that like lost footage gets found at the exact same time. Doesn't that seem ironic? How that happens? Yeah. Coincidental. Well, apparently, back in uh, 1980, there was a documentary being made by uh, I'm going to say his name, (laughs) an Asian gentleman about the paranormal, and he was talking to Stanley Kubrick, who at the time was making The Shining. And uh, even though the documentary was never released, uh, there was a VHS raw footage of it sold in 2016 and some of it mysteriously made online. And they talked to Kubrick about the ending of 2001, which I'm assuming you've seen 2001. I have. Okay, good. So no spoilers here for you. So anyone out there who hasn't seen it, eh, you better see it. Um, Of course, we're talking about the last scene when Dave Bowman is traveling through this weird Stargate type of thing and wakes up in this in an ornate decorated bedroom where he ages rapidly before seemingly being transformed into an unborn baby floating through a space in a halo of light. Well, apparently the idea was supposed to be that he was taken in by godlike entity creatures of pure energy and intelligence with no shape or form. They put him in what I suppose you could describe as a human zoo to study him, and his whole life passes from that point on in this that room, and he has no sense of time. Yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Yeah, I'll keep reading. <laughs> they chose this room, which is very inaccurate replica of French architecture, deliberately so inaccurate, because one was suggesting that they had some idea of something that he might think was pretty, but wasn't quite sure. Just as we're not quite sure what to do in zoos with animals, I try to give them what they think is their natural environment. Anyway, when we when they get finished with him, as happens in so many myths it, in all cultures of the world, he is transformed in some kind of super being and sent back to Earth, transformed and made into something sort of Superman. We have only guess what happens when he goes back. It is a pattern of great deal of mythology, and that is what we're trying to suggest. Basically, he took mythology, and that's his explanation for 2001 ending. I mean, I, I, I appreciate that insight. I didn't even think about it that way when I saw that scene. I was just blown away by the visuals, mm-hmm. but I had no idea there was a being there. There was no indicators that there were beings there, you right? Know? But I it mean, would have been nice. It would have been, that. but I think I think it was kind of cool to keep the alien out of it directly. You know, I mean, we knew there was something out there in, in the universe. We did, we didn't need to specifically see them. Yeah, I think he's trying to say it's better that you can use your imagination and think what you want of that scene. Mm-hmm. When he, whenever something like that is inter is when you hear the meaning of of scenes and it doesn't match what you have in your mind, it kind of takes it away a little bit. But I still enjoy hearing what his original thought was. I do too. But you also have to remember though, it's 1968 and LSD was heavily used at the time. So to me, it's like okay, this is this is the 60s. This is what happened in the 60s. It, I might not understand mm-hmm. it, but I'm just accepting, you know, I mean, the, the drug drug influence was going heavily on in that that era. So I'm like, OK, it is what it is. 
I would have liked to have some hints though. There was nothing in those scenes that really gave it away. No. That aliens were controlling him. No. But it didn't take me out of the film either. I didn't like, oh, this is a crappy ending or what am I watching here? It just like I accepted it for what it was worth. Yeah, and I, I do appreciate when he says that the French architecture was deliberately inaccurate mm-hmm. and his explanation really makes me think about it. So that's cool. Uh, some insight into what he was thinking. That really tells you how uh, how smart Stanley Kubrick was. Oh, yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, James Cameron talking about Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, so we talked about the trailer in a past episode, and um, James Cameron did a video interview uh, with Flicks in the City, which is no longer available. Imagine that. Where he was kind of, he's kind of confirmed that John Connor will play a role in this new movie. Um, he said, "I think the best way to think about Terminator: Dark Fate is is to think about it as a direct sequel to Terminator Two, the third film in the series, if you will." He says, "We'll be continuing John's story with Sarah's story, and the T eight hundred returns a different T eight hundred with a different role to play than what we've seen before." Um, I think what, I mean, this is my interpretation, but I think we're probably going to see John Connor for a split instant and he's probably going to die. That's my gut feeling. And then because there's a girl here that they're trying to save um, and maybe she's the mother of the next quote unquote John Connor. Or she's John Connor's daughter. Um, it could be that. I mean, could be that. I mean, the thing with these this series of films, if you ever try to figure it out, is it's time is always in flux. You know, they always change the future a little bit, so things contradict each other. So you're right, John Connor could be killed. It it could be grandma and granddaughter, for all we know. I mean, there's nothing to hint at what it's going to be, but it's just. I mean, they have to explain John Connor away if they're going to make this the third Terminator film. Yeah. Um, they also talk about here in the article that the whole story takes place in 36 hours. It's radar. It's grim. It's gritty. It's fast. It's intense. It's very linear. Um, yeah, it's not that kind of grandiose complex story. It's very focused on the characters. Uh, it's very now it's very present. It's just a fast white knuckle ride. Good. Which excites me. So in other words, just like Terminator two and Terminator, the original. Yeah. That's what we wanted the whole time. Yes, yes. Waiting like two plus decades for that, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. Thank God. November 1st. Hello. I cannot wait. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm counting down. Speaking of excited and counting down, we got this popped us last week. We got it. Show notes. The trailer for Final Space Season 2 is out, and it is coming out on Monday, June 24th on Adult Swim instead of TBS the first time around. And then... A week later, it's going to be on TBS, the, the repeat. Yeah. This blows away because we were thinking in the back of our mind, oh, we're going to have a few months to catch up. Yeah, because <laughs> we recorded season one, I think last year it was, to be honest with you. Because we were thinking season one started in February. We're thinking, okay, season two will start February, March, maybe April. So they'll give us time. We could release those episodes, one a week for 10 weeks. And then we'll lead right into the season two, which is great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you you show me this link last week. It's like, yeah, June 24th. I'm like, we don't even have a month now. Yeah. 
So what we're going to do, and if you check the schedule and you go to the website and you subscribe, we are going to do Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. This week and next week, we're going to do an episode a week, a a day. And then the last week, uh, we're going to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So it'll be four episodes that week. So we get all 10 in. And then on Wednesday, the 26th, we are going to release our first review of season two. So those Wednesdays, we're going to start releasing the new episodes. So we're going to be caught up. But yeah, so I have a lot of crunch time here to put a lot of episodes in. Well, this gives you guys a perfect chance to go watch with us, you know? Yeah, and I'm going to try to watch them all again just because I want to refresh myself. It's been, what, six, probably six, seven months since we've watched these. It's like, uh, okay. But yeah. I, pay no attention when I'm I'm not there. Yeah, just when he, yeah, he, he moves a lot in this one. It's kind of weird. <laughs> he goes on lots of vacations and stuff, it seems like. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and I'm shocked. I thought we were going to at least get two months notice on this. Just... They just dropped the bomb on us. Speaking of the trailer, the trailer looks awesome. It really does. They put a lot of... It looks like they polished the animation a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story seems a lot tighter. Um, we're just trying to find final space, and that's... And what's his name? The green the green thing, and I forgot his name already. Uh, I want to say Honey Pop, but it's not that. It's um, uh, Moon... Honey Moon Moon, Moon... Moon Pie. Moon Pie. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, it looks it looks phenomenal, and I so cannot wait for June twenty fourth to roll around. Yes, I can't wait. Speaking of things we couldn't wait for, uh, if you guys remember, was it like a year or so ago, uh, somebody Allison Pregler uh, released a video last year about some photos of some negatives she had purchased on eBay, claiming that these these negatives were stills from an alternate ending of the fifth and final season of Quantum Leap. Well, apparently these rumors have persisted about an alternate ending for years. And online, and I put we have the link in the show notes according on Reddit, there is a very grainy alternative finale for season five where Al go says he's gonna go look for Sam. You're gonna have to refresh my memory because it's been so long since I watched the Quantum Leap. How did it originally end? So originally it ended with Sam could, oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sam could realize he found out that he can control his leaps. He can leap anywhere he wants. He doesn't need to leap into a body. Okay. And the thing is, though, the thing is, every time he leaps, it's going to be harder for him to leap back home. Yeah. So he leaps, and the first place he leaps to is to Beth. Now, Beth is Al's wife who is waiting for Al, who is overseas as a prisoner of war. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if she knows he's a prisoner of war <clears throat> or if he's ever coming home. So when he comes home, she has moved on. She is remarried. His life is basically gone to crap. Mm-hmm. So Sam pops in and says, hey, Al's alive. He loves you. He'll come home. And then you see like they, they show a picture of of Sam or Alan, Alan Beth together. And they say they have like multiple kids. And then it says at the end, Sam never returns home. Oh, so if we had gone with that ending and this show had somehow continued on, uh, um, Al would never have th- know who Sam is, obviously, because uh-huh. we changed it. So I'm thinking somehow he changes the timeline, but Al still does the quantum leap thing with Sam. So what is the the found footage show? Well, did you watch it on Reddit? I didn't. 
Oh, you have to watch. It's very grainy. It's very hard to read. But it's according like that still picture. Uh, Al's talking to Beth and saying, you know, Sam's still out there. He's still leaping. I've got to go get him. And okay. he, he looks at a picture and, and it ends like that. And that was never in the episode. Hmm. What the funny thing about this rumor is no one had ever mentioned, hey, yes, we did film this. I don't know why this was something that it's never been brought up to Dean Stockwell, Scott Bakula, or or even um You think they just forgot? <clears throat> I don't know. Huh. I just I don't know. I mean, the show ended, you know, five seasons. They knew it was ending, but I guess they you know, they go, well, what if the we do get a season six? It's kind of nice to have that that, you know, chance to continue the story if you if you need to. Is Quantum Leap a show that you think you would like to see rebooted or, or continued on, or what do you think? If you, you or you just leave it alone, you can't touch it. Um, the reason being is if to me, it's Sam and Al, it's Dean Stockwell, it's Scott Bakula. You can't reboot it. I don't want to see it rebooted. I thought it was a great idea. Um, and what about a continuation? It's kind of hard to continue it with the fact that. Al's timeline has changed and he would never be that hologram. You would have to do kind of like Sam with somebody else or just Sam just doing his own. Adventures. Oh, cause Dean is dead, right? No, he's still alive. Dean Stockwell. I thought he died. Oh no, no, no. I'm looking up now. No, but let's let, okay. <laughs> Whether he's alive or dead. No, he's 83 years old. He is still much alive. Oh wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, so if you, if you, if you still continue the show, you couldn't have Al in it if, the timeline stays the way it is and ex you go with continuity. Sam would just be leaping around on his own. Kind of, it would be kind of like uh, any other show you've seen, like The Fugitive or anything else where somebody goes from town to town. It's just. Well, it could be he kept leaping and leaping. Mm -hmm. He kept aging and aging. You know? Right. Yeah, but it wouldn't. It'd be a little different because you wouldn't have somebody to talk to. It's just him doing the adventures, I guess. Helping out people. A, a, a new Al. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. I, I think it, it's it's nice. Our it son. <laughs> oh, now I I, enjoy, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, yeah, just let it let it lie. But I I want to know more about this lost footage. You know why? Why did yeah. it take this? You know the show went off the air one like ninety two I think it was, or no ninety ninety four I think it was. Why did it take mm -hmm. like two and a half decades for this footage to actually surface? Yeah, it's a good question. It's just a weird thing. But yeah, it's uh, it's something I hold near and dear. It was one of those shows that I really enjoyed. And honestly, if we did a season six, I think the show would have, I think it would have been like, oh, uh, it's that that season again. Uh, you know that we already jumped yeah. the shark because the whole fact is the dynamic of the show changes. Al is not a, not a ladies man anymore. He's faithful to his wife. And you mm. know, so the dynamic's going to change a little bit in the show. And I just like, hmm. Just let it be. Fair enough. Fair enough. But still, I love the fact that this this was actually discovered. It is cool. All right, let's move on to Alien Three. Something we never talk about on this show. Speaking of not letting things be, so uh, yeah, Alien Three. Remember that movie? Remember that movie? How how terrible that movie was? Yeah, I really try to av avoid anything after the second one. Well, they've tr they have uh, they've rebooted it in a way, and this is an audio audio audible original. And basically, um, right after Aliens, uh, William Gibson wrote a, a, a 
script sequel to Aliens that Fox decided not to go down that path. Um, and in that that direct sequel, um, you know, Michael Bean, Lance Hendrickson, those characters or those those actors and their characters are still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, and uh, the team at Audible have put together an audio version of this, an audio reading with those with those actors reading it of the original script by William Gibson. Um, like I said, featuring Michael Bean, Lance Hendrickson, and some others doing voices. So I pretty m- cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's not too pricey. It's only eight ninety five on Audible. Um, you know, it's basically them reading a script, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah, and it's a different story too. That's the thing. Yeah, it's the it's the alt <laughs> it's the alternative ending, the lo- secret lost ending we didn't get. Yeah, what what could have been? Yeah, and, and and William Gibson writing it too just makes it so much better, in my opinion. I mean, he's a genius, you know. He, I mean, he is. He really is. So, I might have to check that out just 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 to see what could just have compare been. and contrast. Yeah, yeah. I already think it's better, and I like the fact that you actually get the, some of the actors c- to come back to do voices for it. Yeah, so, no Sigourney Weaver though. Yeah, that's. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. All right, let's move on. To, uh, something else we don't talk about often on the show: Deep Space Nine. Uh, if you guys remember, there was a uh, a documentary did called uh, "What We Left Behind" that was crowdfunded, and it was shown at cinemas earlier this year. Well, guess what? It's going to be picked up by Shout Factory. Shout Factory picks up all this weird stuff, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the distribution for it, and um, they're going to release a physical Blu-ray of the nearly two hour documentary on August 6th. Not too far away. No, no, it's uh, going to be two versions, a standard release version, along with a series of seven special featurettes, including 45 minutes of deleted scenes. And then a version exclusive for the shout factories online store that includes two extra spe- special features, most notably a 50 minute roundtable discussion with director Ira Stephen bear and the actual production of the documentary. So U.S. and Canada gets the fortune of actually getting to see this, which I think is interesting because Deep Space Nine doesn't get talked about as much as the other Star Trek shows, you know, the original TNG and the Discovery. Yeah, like they said in the article, it's a dark uh, past for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really didn't is. get a lot of love when it came out. It, it, Yeah, I was I watched it, but I was not a, a fan of it. I, I, I enjoyed TNG in that era. I watched it because it was the only thing I could watch when I lived in Japan. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. I, I watched it like, mm, it's not my cup of tea. I mean, there are obviously people out there that did watch it because it lasted seven years like most of the other shows did. Yeah. But mm, but I think it's cool to see this stuff. I mean, the fans that are out there, this is going to be something that's great for them. And thanks for Shout Factory for picking this up. That's pretty awesome. Uh, one last thing I want to mention just came out today uh, for people out there. Paul Darrow, known as Care Avon on the classic Blake 7 TV show, passed away today. It's 78 years old. Did you ever hear of or watch Blake 7? I did not. <clears throat> so I, I don't know much about him. It's well, it's a, well, all right. So let, let's let's put this together. So uh, it's it was created by and written by Terry Nation, who created the Daleks on Doctor Who. Mm hmm. Uh, the script edi- editor was Chris Boucher, who wrote one of the greatest Doctor Who episodes of all time. 
<laughs> wow. so, it's basically yeah, it's a it's a 52 episode show um, where it's basically uh, Blake, who's head of these this this group of people who is a uh, a freedom fighter, and they're basically a bunch of uh, criminals, little con men, and stuff like that, and they all have to work together. And uh, I only watched the first season of it, which but it was amazing in my opinion. It was a really great show. Cool. So yeah, he passed away today. Today I was like, oh. Uh, he was still doing Big Finish Audios of Blake Seven. That that still lives on in in audio format. So they they continue making audio uh, programs. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, uh, you know Big Finish Production, who does Doctor Who. They um, they got the license to do Blake Seven, and they've gotten a good amount of the actors to come back and reprise their roles and continue stories in that universe. Wow. Okay. And he was he was cool. one of them, and of course he did. Uh, couple episodes of doctor who also <laughs> i might check it out just see what it's like it might be if it starts to grab you we might have to talk about it because i i i will i will watch it again just for, for the heck of it but yeah it's uh yeah it's sad all right so let's move on let's get on to uh the movie this week we're talking about deep space nine and it fits in here perfectly with the film cube which came out on september 9th 1997 written by uh people <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we getting French names in here. Uh, a director of uh, Vincenzo Natali. Yeah, the writer is Andre Bajelic, Graham Manson, good. Vincenzo Natalie, uh, starring Nicole de Bear, Nikki Guad- uh, Guadagni, David Hewlett, Andre uh, Andrew Miller, Julian Richard Richings, Wayne Robson, Morris Dean Wint. Ninety minutes long, and of course, funny looking back at it now. Nicole de Bear, de Boro, whatever her name is, uh, she was on the last season of Deep Space Nine. That's true. Yeah, she had the spots around her. I forgot the yeah, name. She of she that she race. was uh, something Dax. She she replaced Terry Farrell's character on the show. Oh, so she was the replacement for her. Yeah, because remember, if you remember, they had a symbiote inside them or something like that, and I think it's the same symbiote that was put into her or something. I don't remember exactly what it was at that point. I was like, I wasn't even into the show at that point. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. But it's funny. Yeah. I'm watching this movie. I'm like, who is that girl? She looks familiar. And I'm like, I'm looking up online. I'm like, oh my god, that's why. That's cool. So yeah, it's like wow. And it's funny when I watched this film back then, I didn't even put two and two together at that point. So it's like, mm, okay, very nice. All right, so let's get into this film. Um, they're in a cube. They're in this weird thing. A guy wakes. I love the first. Uh, now I thought this film was gonna be was gonna be very gruesome. From the first scenes we got, yeah, it opens up with uh, the guy, the, this bald guy that is in the cube and tries to go to the next cube and runs on a trap and uh, gets sliced apart, sliced with like a flyswatter. water, yeah. razor barb flyswatter. water. Yeah, his name is his name it. is Alderson. I wrote the names down so I knew who was who. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, you literally get that at the beginning. He gets cubed up, and you're just like. Oh my god! And I was thinking the rest of the film was going to be very gory, and surprisingly, it wasn't. No, but it, it had it had gory elements to it. Oh, I agree. There was some. There was it wasn't some, in your face gory. I mean, that acid stuff stuff was pretty gory. I think that was the other most gruesome part of this film too. Yeah, but it was more atmospheric, and that's what I like about these kind of movies like this. It's an indie movie. Mm-hmm. You don't need big budget. But just having these concepts of being trapped in this 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 environment, you don't know what what's going to happen. 
you don't know what's in the next room, you know? Yeah. If you're claustrophobic, yeah, it, it would freak you out. Yeah, it, yeah, that's the thing. And uh, and you only have, I mean, literally the cast is one, two, three, four, five, six, eight or seven people and one's dead already. So the cast is six people and essentially you're in the same set. I mean, granted, you know, they must have like two, we talked about this before the show, must have like at least two cubes, two rooms so you can like see from one to the other. But mm-hmm. I mean, you could just change the colors of them and, and you're like, okay, we're in, we're in a different room. Yeah. Which I thought was great. So, I mean, that's a good way to save money. And yeah, like you said, the whole idea of, is this room safe? Should I go in here? You know, what's going to happen? And, you know, I'm, I'm scared. Like every time they open a door and I'm like, they look in, I'm like, okay, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I'm reading here on, um, on Wikipedia that I did not know watching the film is that each of these characters are named after a person. Did you know that? I did not know that. Explain this to me. Over in Wikipedia, it says that every person is named after prison. So like Kazan is named after Kazan prison in Russia. Worth is actually Leavenworth prison. Uh, Quentin, San Quentin prison. Yeah, because Levin and Worth. There's Joan Levin and David Worth. Leavenworth. That's right. I would uh, never have done that. Never. Holloway, uh, Holloway Women's Prison, Wren's. Uh, I can't pronounce it. Some French one, which is funny. Alderson. Yeah. Alderson prison. And Ren was, was called the Ren because he was an escape artist. He escaped out of seven prisons also. So they even yeah. mentioned that in here. And I'm like, I never would have put that together. That was, that's pretty interesting how they came up with those names. Yeah. I had no idea. No, I just, but I think it, I, the, the idea was very smart of putting these six people together and they all have something unique about them yeah otherwise i think it would be boring if they were a carbon copy they all have different characterizations different mannerisms you know Mm -hmm. yeah you know you got the escape artists you got you got the doctor you have the 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 autistic man Mm -hmm. and you have the um the the cynic which we didn't know that got worth we didn't know what his purpose served until later in the film then we had the young girl, and then we had the police officer. And you realize as you're getting through here, like they each serve a purpose in this in this puzzle they're in. Yes. And I like the fact that they mentioned that they only have so much time. You know, nothing's chasing them. That the only thing that's chasing them now is death. They they have no food and they have no water. So they only have a f- several days before they're they're gonna yeah. die. Three days before they die of starvation, yeah. Which I thought was great. So there's no monster chasing them. There's no, you know, you're not running from one room to another room. You're just trying to figure out how the heck to get out of this place. Yeah. The monsters also themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second guessing themselves, uh, fighting with each other. All the infighting stuff was really good. Um, well done. You would go crazy. I think that it's pretty true to life. You would go crazy in something like this. Mm-hmm. And I did like the fact that they mentioned that that they are they being watched which we never find out whether they are or not but i thought that was an interesting idea like this is like a, a science experiment or this, was someone yeah. watching them from the outside and i like that they never like pan out and show you any of that which is great i'm glad that we never get answers to questions yes who's doing this where what's outside the, the cube you know none of that's right. answered it's just you guys wake up what's the last thing you remember 
why are you here? Who are you? Yeah. And let's it's go. basically a trap. And uh, you don't see Saul. You don't see the whatever his face is. Jigsaw. You know, jigsaw. Which laughing. Which, you know, to me, I think that's why I enjoy the Saw films because I enjoy this type of puzzle thing. I consider this like the the predecessor to that that series of films. It feels like they I bet it was it was probably loosely based off of that. I mean, I think they took the idea and go, hey, I like the idea of using puzzles to to do something like this. And I thought, you know, I, I when I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, Saw, okay. I can see I can see that. I also like how how Worth explained that he was just one of a cog that put this together. He didn't know about all the other pieces. He just knew about one, his one little piece. Mm-hmm. And it probably was true that, you know, nobody knew what the, the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. They just said, hey, we have to build this. Well, that makes sense, though, if you don't want anyone to know what you're doing. Yeah. Which I thought was a great idea. So, that, I mean, that's the whole, that was his whole purpose. And it's like, okay. And then Would we you can- have liked to see masterminds at all? No, I don't. I don't no. want that. Okay. Because I think it would have ruined the film for me. Because I, yeah, I, I think no matter how they explain it, I would have been disappointed. That's true. Your imagination's better. Yeah, I think it's better just to end it the way they ended it. Like, perfect. Just, you know. Um, what did you think about, you know, them figuring out the rules of, of the cubes, you know? I like that. I, I like you that know, idea. I It kind of went over my head a little bit. The prime numbers I could get, mm-hmm. but then, you know... They they thought it was a prime numbers and they 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 went with that for a little bit. Then they found a cube where the prime numbers didn't work. They're like, oh wait, now it's not prime numbers. You know? Yeah, they figured out that it was some sort of Cartesian coordinates or something. And I don't even know. I don't even know if that was BS or if they they actually those were legit figures they were using. No, I believe in the the Cartesian coordinates because you know you have X Y Z axis. That's why there's three sets of numbers. Mm-hmm. But the when it starts talking about permutations, you know, then it went over my head. Right, and that and that's why we needed Kazan there for, because he could do that. Right, he was a genius. You know, the the girl Eleven was 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 good with math, but she still had to write stuff down and do it that way. But he was just you know a, a genius, and he could just tell you you know the prime, whatever it is, factors off the top of his head. It's like oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they also put the uh, the Worth guy in there to let them know, here's the dimension of the cube. You guys figure out how big the cube is, and you try to get out of it. I don't know if it was really that cut and dry. Do you really think it was that cut and dry? We're going to place these people in here, and they're going to work together. Well, it, it seemed like it was a perfect, perfect team almost. It could have been. I feel like it was a science experiment. I wonder if there were more people, though. I always thought in the back of my head, what if there's more people in the cube and the other side of the cube? Yeah, you know? that's the thing. I mean, because the cube was what, 26? Wait, was it like 20? It was a huge cube. Yeah, I forgot how many rooms, like 30,000 rooms or some high number 20, like that. It's, okay, it's 26 by 26, which is 17,576 rooms. 17,000 rooms. So you about how be- many people are in there. Yeah. But my, and then it brings my question to how do you get the people into the cube? Do you, do you, right. uh, can you program it where like the door, the, these rooms would be near the, no, they, they mentioned that there is one cube that goes to the bridge, which mm-hmm. goes to the outside. And that's where you, that's where they started. Remember at the end of it, they're like, we started in this room. We should have just stayed here, you know? 
but that makes me wonder if they're the only ones in in the cube. I I still think there's more people. So do you think there's other exits on the other sides that they could put people in? There's one exit, but there's more people like filtered throughout the cube. Yeah, you might be. Yeah, but they'd all have to be like on one side of the cube, though, because you. I don't know. Because you couldn't <laughs> go in the cube. You'd have to basically go in that bridge thing, put them in the rooms, and then. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's, I'm just like, how would you do this? It's like, it's interesting. But and it's funny. They never ran into any bodies. There was no human remains in there, except for obviously the ones they, they yeah saw in the first place. Right. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. Or for all we know, the cube could be much smaller than it really is. It looked pretty big when they showed the outside of mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Which I thought was great. I love that. I love that. That was the one thing I wasn't expecting in this film. I'm thinking, okay, you're in a cube. If you just keep, like they said, if we just go in this one direction, eventually we'll get to the edge. But then when the fact that the rooms start shifting around, you're like, interesting. It's like a Rubik's cube. <laughs> yeah. Forget it then. I'll never get out then. Yeah. I'm like, just kill me now. <laughs> but it is interesting to watch these characters um, start to degrade and become their, you know, their savage. Sent into madness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But Kazan was a constant. He was the same. Mm -hmm. And that might have been the reason why he uh, ultimately survives the thing. Well, yeah, of course. And of course, if you think about it, which one is going to survive? Nope. Yeah, I mean, it's a little too cut, put together, you know? Yeah, I mean, think about it. He's, if he survives, he who's he going to tell? He's not going to probably tell anybody. No one's going to believe him. Yeah. But yeah, it's um, because you think the woman's going to, you think the girl's going to live, too. Mm -hmm. you, you figure, oh, her and the guy's going to live. But then all of a sudden, of course, McNeil, the police officer, shows up and nah, nah, the rules have changed. Yeah. <clears throat> And he was the one I was always leery of from the get-go. Who's that? Uh, McNeil, the cop. Oh, okay. You know, it's just like uh, a little too bossy here. He he played the same character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alpha male. Yeah. He wants to be the boss. You know, aggressive mm -hmm. man. So, yeah. What'd you think of the traps? I like the traps because they were they were they varied. You didn't have the same trap in each one. One was like a sound activated one. One, uh, which one? One had like the screen door effect. Mm -hmm. That one that got uh, Quentin or McNeil was like this this what is string or whatever that came up. Oh yeah, that was kind of freaky. Then there was. There I was think they did just enough to to uh get my attention mm -hmm. without it being overly complicated right and 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 they they also did a passage of time too it wasn't like we were literally watching almost like from room to room they would cut and go we see them like skip a bunch of rooms and whatnot because they would just show that they're actually moving around pretty fast in this cube yeah mhm mm i like the boot thing that they did at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, that ren you know showed them the boot to test the rooms out yeah, that didn't work too well, of course. Yeah, and the whole sucking on the the button thing—I didn't understand that, but I guess that makes sense. Making, promoting saliva right. production. I, I don't know if it works. I mean, I think it's it's a great idea, and of course that that button thing would come back around with uh, the doctor when she entered that one room. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, you know, I'm watching. I'm like, oh, okay, I know what's going on here. Yeah. Um, did you what? Did you figure out her fate when when it happened? Did you did you figure out that was going to happen? No, the I, doctors. I I I didn't expect that to happen. Okay. I didn't expect it to happen. I at first it's like, oh, it's gonna, and then it's like, no, it's not. Then it does. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the one thing I kind of, I want to say that BS on, but I was kind of like, it was stretching a little bit. Was that one room that was sound activated, with with the spikes or whatever that came out of the wall, which the special effects were a little little iffy on, which doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the the autistic guy who was making noise the entire time was quiet when they were moving from one room through to another. Yeah. I feel like he would have, he would have made noise. Yeah. I was just like, mm, no, no, no. I would have knocked him out. <laughs> they they should have, they should have done something like that. I was just like, you should have used the boot and just knocked him out. But everyone would start crying if he did that. Yeah. So I was, yeah, that was the only thing in here. I was just like, mm, that's a stretch. That's a stretch. I can't see them getting safely from one to another. Yeah. But all in all, I think this movie holds up. It can be you can watch it today and enjoy it just as well as 1997. Oh yeah, totally agree. This was um, we talked about this before, but this was a film. It's like 1998. I was at Blockbuster Video. That tells you how old I am and how old yeah. this film is. And it was on the new DVD releases. I never heard of this film. You know, the internet was too young to even discover this thing. And yeah. I pulled it out. I'm like, this looks interesting, and I just fell in love with it when I saw it. Yeah, I think I was uh, in college when this came out, and one of my roommates showed it to me, and I was like, "Whoa, this is this is pretty awesome." It this really is pre Matrix, so right before the Matrix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is something totally original. I don't think I've ever seen anything pre nineteen ninety seven that was like this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Saw is kind of like you know the successor to it, but it was something no. I have never seen before. It was a tight, interesting story. Um, you know, they they made the sequels. I haven't watched the sequels. You said you have. Yeah, I have watched the sequels. But really, I guess there's nowhere else you can take this. No, I no. It's just more of the same. Yeah, I mean, the second one is you know like the next thing with it, and they they change it up a bit, and you learn more of what's going on in the outside world, and you don't want to. That's the thing. You don't really want to know. You want to be like, I don't know what's going on, and let's just leave it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this, I mean, and you, I mean, and this is a independent film, I guess. Yeah, I would say it's independent. It came. It was released at the Toronto International Film Festival. It's a Canadian film. It was made for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and it made nine million. So that's really good. Yeah, it made its money back. And for an independent, low budget film, it doesn't feel it that way to me. This doesn't feel like that. Well, like like we were talking about before the show, there really wasn't much to animate. The only animation you saw was the some of the traps. Mm-hmm. So their budget was really just building sets. Yeah, yeah, and the sets look amazing. So, and it's also simple because you just had to light them differently, you know, and you're boom, you're in a new room. Exactly. Yeah, very simple. I mean, I like that. Like how the simplicity of it. Okay, so I'm 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 going to Wikipedia now and they're talking about the design of the cube and they said only one cube with each of its sides measuring 14 feet in length was actually built. 
with only, only one with only one working door that could actually support the weight of the actors. The color of the room was changed by sliding panels. I thought about that. Yeah. So it's one. But room. what about when they were looking into the next room? They had to build another room or I mean, at least a wall. Well, here's the thing. They said they, they just openly admitted they built one cube. So I bet you they took one wall that they weren't using in the scene and like put it on the other oh, side. Oh, flipped it. Yeah. So they probably had six walls built and they just say, okay, we need a wall for here. You guys, you don't need to see the floor or whatever. We'll put the floor over here. And that makes total sense. When they, when they call it coverage, when mm-hmm. they're, when they have the cameras pointed this way, wall goes there. They turn around the camera wall goes that way. Okay. Since they said, since it was time consuming procedure, the movie was not shot in sequence. All shots taking place in rooms with a specific color were shot one at a time. It was intended that th- there would be six different colors of rooms to match the recurring theme of six throughout the movie five sets of gel panels plus p- pure white however the budget did not stretch to to the sixth gel panel so there's only five different co- room colors wow so that answers the question on how they did this that's amazing i would never have thought that that's a lot of work it's a lot of work but it makes sense it does and it looks yeah. beautiful it looks beautiful very it's a very tightly done movie 90 minutes too so there's no there's not no time for you to go okay can you go fast forward here they trimmed the fat on that movie yeah all right how would you rate this on a scale of one to ten uh higher than you think i'm gonna give it a nine that's eight and a half in my book this is a film i could go back and watch again right now not higher okay no i I, don't get me wrong i i I love this film um this is something i think everyone should watch this is Mm -hmm. You know, this is one of those films a lot of people don't know about. I mean, unless you're in deep enough into sci-fi or are old enough to remember when it came out. Yeah, because on the surface, if you look at the Cube uh, DVD or, or VHS cover, it looks like a horror film. You think of like Pinhead when you see it. Yeah, that's what it feels like. So, yeah, you had to, you didn't know what you were getting into by looking at the cover. Yeah, there's... um. A film, I'm going to talk about this now, and I don't know if you had seen it. I saw it was on Netflix and I watched it called Circle. It came out in 2015, which is kind of a very similar idea where like all these people wake up in a room in a circle and they don't know how they got there and there's rules and they have to follow the rules or they die. Have you seen that film? No. Okay. It feels like it feels kind of like an updated version of Cube. It's not as good, obviously, but if you guys want to check that out, it's called Circle. Okay. I think it's still streaming. You You've got an hour, 15 minutes of your time. Just go check it out. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. And I thank Brian for being here. Where can we find you online, Brian? Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. Just look for Brian Says. And of course, you can always find us at sayproductions.com slash sci-fi watcher. Check out all the stuff we've done. Last week, we did uh, Okja. I keep saying, want to say it wrong. Uh, next week, I am so excited. We are going to watch I Am Mother, which is coming out on Netflix. Yes. Uh, Wednesday, we will talk about the season finale of The Twilight Zone. Thursday, we talk about the penultimate episode of Rick and Morty from season three, the ABCs of Beth. And Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, Final Space, the first three episodes of season one. So yes. Got a lot of stuff out there. And of course, if you want to get a hold of us, there's so many ways to do it through the website, of course, or email sci fi watcher at sayproductions.com. Or drop us a voicemail, 774-327-2948, 774-32-SAY-IT. And of course, if you want to watch us live, Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 midnight UTC. That's at sayaproductions.com slash YouTube. Well, that's it for this week's episode, my friends. And until next time, have a great one.